What's good, y'all? It's your man, Uncle Dub. It's the Friday edition of the Sports Wagon Podcast, episode 126. Hope you're having a great Friday. The weekend's here. Time to relax. Of course, you know what's what time it is. It's time for sports again. I mean, it's always time for sports, but you know, you know how the weekend goes. Hit me up on Instagram, Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Let's recap the week that wasn't college basketball. Because, again, we got some really great games this weekend. Um, as you know, you know, there was no Wednesday show for me, but there was the Wednesday conversation this week. So I hope if I hope you cat caught it. If you have not, rewind back an episode, episode 125. So I had a really great interview with the founder, executive executive producer, and executive producer of the Black Girl Hockey Club, Renee Hess. So please, please, please check it out. Uh, such a good interview. And uh, we're going to talk a teeny bit of hockey in this episode. A teeny bit, not a whole lot, because again, uh, they're hitting all-star break. But let's start with the college basketball. So on the men's side, Tuesday, number 10, Kansas over number 20, Iowa State, 70-61. Number 14, Texas Tech over number 23, Texas, 77-64. So that was the... Uh, I think the uh, Chris Beard, who is the head coach of Texas, um, in his press conference, he basically said, you know, this game wasn't about me. If you recall, uh, Chris Beard was the head coach at Texas Tech up until uh, this past season. And he took over at Texas. Um, and, and as you remember, he took Texas Tech to the 2019 uh, national championship game, but it fell to Virginia. Uh, Ole Miss over number 25, LSU, 76-72. So that was the men's action from Tuesday night. Wednesday, number 18, Illinois, over number 11, Wisconsin, 80-67. Number 24, Marquette, over number 12, Villanova, 83-73. Last night, number three, UCLA took down number seven, I'm sorry, Arizona, rather. I'm reading my notes improperly here. Arizona, over number three, UCLA, 76-66. Um, so Arizona now, with that win, moves into first place in the Pac-12. They are 8-1, so their only loss was the first meeting against UCLA. Uh, Kerr Creesa had 16 points for Arizona and Jules Bernard had 15 for UCLA. So on the men's side, Saturday, a few good games here. Let's look at starting the Big East. Number 17, UConn goes to number 12, Villanova, noon on Fox. Number 20, Iowa State goes to number 23, Texas. That's 2 p.m. on the Longhorn Network. Um, so some of you may have it. I actually have it, which is kind of weird. Um, number Eight Baylor goes to number 10 Kansas, 4 p.m. ESPN. Number 19 USC visits number seven Arizona, 5 p.m. on Fox. And the game of the night, number nine Duke, the last ride to Chapel Hill for Coach K, visits their arch rival of uh, North Carolina Tar Heel, 6 p.m. ESPN. And, you know, whether you have a dog in the fight or not, you know that UNC and Duke is the best rivalry in college basketball. So, this game will not be without fireworks. There's going to be a lot of back and forth here. Um, I'm sure Duke are heavy favorites in this one. You know, Carolina's had a pretty good season. I mean, they, you know, they lost some guys to transfer. They had a lot of guys coming back. Um, but, you know, it's kind of been up and down for them. You know, I would have thought they had been a, a touch, a touch more steady this season. But they've, you know, been up and down. But again, you know, um, I really think that because of you know the fact you know it's duke and north carolina both of these teams they are always ready come march and i think there's no question i mean we all know we all seen duke they're definitely gonna be ready in march i think north carolina will be ready in march so again a lot of it's just going to depend upon you know just kind of you know how the play begins to ramp up in this in these last few weeks of conference play 
on the ladies' side. We're going to get a lot of Notre Dame in this episode. So Tuesday night, number 20, Notre Dame upsets number three, NC State, at Purcell Pavilion, 69-66. Maya Dotson, see, 20 points, 10 rebounds. So here's the thing. Maya Dotson, I felt that her transfer from Stanford to Notre Dame was huge, and the thing I've been waiting for, she's had some good games. She's, she's been playing pretty good this season, but these are the kind of games I want to see from Maya Dotson. I think more of this really gets Notre Dame in that spotlight. Now, don't get me wrong. They got some good players, and they got a nice young core, so the future is bright for Notre Dame. I've, I've said this on the show before. I, I said I point out three teams, and one of them is not doing so well right now, but I pointed out Arizona, Notre Dame, and Duke. And I said, here are three teams with three co- three coaches who are building really good teams. And and I've said it's probably not so much a matter of if, it's a matter of when these coaches are going to win a national title. Again, you know, Adia Barnes, she's tasted it. She's been there trying to get back this year. And their team is better. I mean, she said in her press conference, one of her press conferences this week, she said, you know, they're better, but there's obviously things that they have to improve upon um you know after the stanford game if you watched it um but yeah maya dotson is gonna be big for this team i mean don't get me wrong olivia miles she is good i mean if you have not seen her play she is electric but maya dotson she is i think really the key piece to all of this if she has continue has big games like this uh olivia miles does her thing then they got sonia citron who is probably she's been ACC freshman freshman of the week a few times uh, this season. I kind of got to, I got to think of who, who was some other freshmen I've seen this year, which I'm going to be honest with you Um, on the lady side. I haven't really seen a lot of the freshmen play in the ACC, but I think she's definitely going to be a candidate and I'll go and step out on this one. I think she's going to win freshman of the year. I don't know. I, I'm probably missing somebody. But nevertheless, she's definitely in the conversation without question. Sonia Citron. Uh, for NC State, Alyssa Cunane, 13 points for the Wolfpack. On Wednesday, number 11, Iowa State over Kansas State, ranked 25th, 70-55. So the numbers in this one, you know, it was like Jekyll and Hyde here. So Iowa State went 44% from three, 49% from the field. Kansas State was in the other direction. They went 25% from three-pointer, three-point land, and 36% from uh from the field um iowa state out rebounded them 39 to 32 emily ryan and lexi darnarski had 15 points each for the cyclones and briley glenn led kansas state with 19 points um also in big 12 action on wednesday night number 18 oklahoma beat number nine baylor 78 to 77 again here we go with notre dame thursday night so last night um notre dame uh, wins the game 68 55 over Virginia Tech. Olivia Miles, 24 points. So again, she's she's really just running things, and she had a really pretty play. She did this. Uh, she ran. She she took dribbled the ball on the right side of the paint, and she just behind the back pass and hit some hit somebody cross court for for a nice little easy shot. Uh, I'm telling you, this Notre Dame team's electric. They're very electric. Um, Kiana trailered 16 points for Virginia Tech. The other game that wasn't even on my radar, I mean, it was on my radar. I saw it and I said to myself, I would not be surprised if Florida won this game. And sure enough, Florida 
beats number seven Tennessee 84 to 59. Talk about Woodshed. Uh, Kiara Smith had 25 points for the Gators. Alexis Dye had 10 points for Tennessee. Tennessee, listen to these numbers 18 turnovers. So, you know, you know how turnovers work. Either you're very sloppy with it or it's defensive. And we know that Tennessee is, you know, being a top 10 team, they're just not throwing the ball away. So something about what Florida's did to them defensively, they got, they turned the ball over 18 times. They shot 38% from the field and 31% from, from the three point line. Florida, on the other hand, shot a little bit better from the three point line, about 38%. But from the field, they shot 53% and only turned the ball over nine times. So here's a suggestion. Florida, give Kelly Ray Finley the job. How about that? Let's remove interim from her title and give her the job because this team has just been, I, I don't want to say the surprise, but they've been the team that's been creeping up on everybody this season in the SEC, and I'm here for it. So great game by Florida. Um, you know, they're steadily just, you know, making a, making a name. And I don't know if they got, if they didn't get votes in the last poll last week, they definitely should be getting some votes this week. Now, I don't know if it's going to be enough to get them in, but they should be considered for the poll. They've really put in some big wins here. On the flip side, going back to the Notre Dame game, I'm kind of starting to see why, you know, Virginia Tech is not ranked. I mean, you know, they, they've had these opportunities to beat some really good teams and just haven't really stepped up. Um, but again, you know, there's still time. I mean, the conference season, you know, is, you know, winding down. You know, the ladies will probably be playing their conference tournament within the next with, with about a month from now. So they're going to be playing in Greensboro in about a month from now. And so, you know, they're still all jockeying for position. You know, Tech's still in, you know, the upper echelon of the conference without question. But, you know, you've got to get these wins. And, you know, and I'm saying Notre Dame is, you know, an easy out. No question. They are no easy out by any means, uh, by any means. But, um, you know, you got to get those wins. And, you know, and of course, um, you know, beating Notre Dame at home is tough. And, uh and that's the one thing that uh, Coach Neil Ivey said to her teams, and you know, you protect the house, and you, know, you always say that. But they have really taken it upon themselves to protect their home court. So for the weekend, the game. So as we know, the ladies usually take center stage on Sunday. So Sunday, Tennessee, number seven, Tennessee visits number ten, UConn. So the uh, traditional old rivalry, Tennessee, UConn will. Write another chapter. That game noon on Fox. Oregon State heads to Arizona. Number eight Arizona will host them 2 p.m. I'm going to assume that's on Pac-12. Check your local listings. Uh, number nine Baylor goes to number 13 Texas 4 p.m. ESPN two. And the end of the evening number 21 Iowa and Caitlin Clark visit number six Michigan 6:30 on Big Ten Network. So for Michigan, this is their highest program ranking. Um, so there's a lot riding on. Michigan holding serve at home, holding serve at home in Ann Arbor. And of course, you know, Caitlin Clark continues to just throw the ball up and put through the basket, just continue to make plays. She's she's just triple doubling it um, out of out of her mind, out of control. So Michigan's really got to put a lot of focus on her. 
uh, to try to, you know, kind of slow her down a little bit to see can they win uh, this game on uh, on Sunday. Um, oh, yeah, the Arizona-Oregon State game. Oregon State is a team that they should be ranked. Now, again, they're not getting a whole lot of eyes on them in the Pac-12, but you know they've been you know they've been on the radar since the beginning of the season uh was it her name is Talia von Olenhofen extremely talented leads this Oregon State team so um you know Adia Barnes crew is going to have their hands full on Sunday um so let's see let's move over to um the NBA so we'll take a break in a moment but NBA rest in peace to Bill Fitch he passed away at the age of 89 years old he coached the 1981 Boston Celtics to the NBA title. So that team had a very young Larry Bird, uh, Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale. So the whole gang uh, started their run of NBA titles with uh, under the watch of Bill Fitch. He coached in the league for 25 years. He was the two-time NBA coach of the year. And during the 50-year celebration, of, and that was, wow, 25 years ago. I mean, it's NBA 75 now, but... Um, uh, during the 50-year celebration of the NBA, he was listed as one of the top 10 coaches of all time. Um, so he was known, uh, Coach Fitch was known as a coach who turned teams around. So he led Cleveland three times to the playoffs after they entered the league via expansion. So they had a you know really bad year. I think they were three games under 500. Then they went to the playoffs three times. He led Houston to the 86 finals where they lost to Boston. He led the New Jersey Nets to the 92 playoffs, a team with Kenny Anderson, Derek Coleman, and Drazen Petrovic. And then he led the LA Clippers to the 97 playoffs. He was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2019. So we say rest in peace and condolences to the family of Bill Fitch. So NHL. So we'll talk NHL briefly. And then we will take a short break and do uh, so we're going to do a black history profile today. So uh, throughout the month, we'll during our regular shows, we'll profile a athlete or someone important in sports that you may or may not know or have heard of. So I got one for you today. It's from college football, from college and pro football. So we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, The NHL is at the all-star break. So let's run through the current standings. So currently leading the Atlantic division of the Florida Panthers at 32, 10 and five leading the metropolitan division, the Carolina hurricanes at 31, nine and two leading the central division, the Colorado avalanche at 32, eight and four and leading the Pacific Division are the Las Vegas Golden Knights at 27-6-3. So the first three teams I mentioned, the Panthers, the Hurricanes, the Avalanche, and then we throw in the Maple Leafs, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are currently third in the Atlantic at 29-10-3, are in the clubhouse during the All-Star break, are going to be your top four teams that are contending for the Stanley Cup. Now, also throw in there the, the, the uh, New York Rangers, who look to be playing some really good hockey right now. So again, um, like anything else, we kind of always look at where we stand and we project a little bit forward. And there's still a lot of hockey to be played as we move forward. But um, those are some teams to kind of be looking for as we kind of look uh, reset for the second half of the season. Um, the NHL All-Star Game is currently, uh, you know, so it'll be this weekend in Las Vegas. So the skills competition is tonight. Um, the all-star game will start 
Saturday will start on Saturday, three o'clock. The the games will be shown on ESPN and ESPN Plus. So the way this is working here is there are four teams. So teams representing each division, Atlantic, Metropolitan, Central and Pacific. And essentially it's like a tournament. So I don't have the current rankings of how they're going to play each other, but there'll be three games on Saturday. They'll play a semifinals and then the two winning teams will play a game later that evening. So I think the first game, I think first game starts at three. The second game will be around 630 or something or like that. Um, one note, Alex Ovechkin is in COVID protocol. He's out of the all-star game. So he was the captain for the Metropolitan Division all-stars and he was set to compete in the hardest shot competition, which he won in 2018. So Philadelphia's Claus Giroux will substitute for him as captain of the Metropolitan Division all-stars. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do our black history profile and we'll do dubs and L's and we'll get out of here for the weekend. Stay tuned. All right, everybody, welcome back. So let's uh, do our Black History Profile for uh, today. So Frederick Wayman Duke Slater is our profile lead today. So Mr. Slater was born in Normal, Illinois in 1898, and he went to high school in Clinton, Iowa. Mr. Slater played tackle at the University of Iowa from 1918 to 1921. Um, he went to the University of Iowa at a time where uh, black players were not black students were not allowed to live in dorms. He was six feet two, 210 pounds, and he was a two way lineman. He also, in addition to lettering in football, he also lettered in shot and discus on the track team. So his accolades on the field, he was a three time all Big Ten selection. He was a two time All-American and he was honored 
a few a number of years ago with a bronze statue on the north end of Iowa's Kinnick Stadium, and it immortalizes a key block that he threw, which helped Iowa upset Notre Dame 10-7 in 1921. So at that point, Notre Dame was on a 20-game win streak, and that streak was snapped by Iowa. He went on to play professional football from 1922 to 1931 for three teams, and he became the first black lineman in the NFL. So his NFL credentials, four-time All-NFL, seven-time second-team All-NFL, and he was not named to the 1920 All-Decade team, and many believe that was due to uh, to uh, just racial, you know, just being, you know, it was bigoted, a bigoted, um, you know, a bigoted move that he was not um named to the all-decade team 1920. So while he was still playing, he graduated law school and passed the bar in 1928. He went on to practice law in Chicago, became an assistant district attorney, assistant state commerce commissioner in Illinois. He was then later elected as Chicago's second black judge in 1948 and appointed to the Superior Court of Chicago in 1960. Slater, Mr. Slater, is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, so that was in 2020. The College Football Hall of Fame. So he was in the inaugural class in 1951, and he was the first black inductee. Um, in the same year, he was inducted into the Iowa Sports Hall of Fame. In 1989, he was inducted into the National Iowa Varsity Club Hall of Fame. And on the occasion of Iowa football's 100th anniversary in the same year, he was named to Iowa's all-time football team. So in 2019... The Iowa Board of Regents approved a measure, uh, a resolution rather, that would allow that would allow for the field at Kinnick Stadium to be renamed in Slater's honor. There's also a residence hall at University of Iowa named for Duke Slater. So Mr. Slater passed away in 1966 at the age of 67. So all the honors that he received were uh, most of the honors they received, so things like um, the National uh, Varsity Club, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, were all posthumous, posthumous, posthumous. Ugh, anyway, but nevertheless, um, these honors were given, and they were very well deserved and very long past due. So we wanted to um, kind of give a moment to honor uh, Duke Slater for all of his accomplishments, and again, being a trailblazer. Um, a shoulder that um, especially players at Iowa and, and kind of going back to some of the things we've been talking about on the show with what's happening at Iowa, um, what has happened, what's currently happening. You know, I think a lot of the players there recognize the significance and the importance of, you know, Duke Slater's legacy. And as I was you know coming home today to prepare to record the show, I started thinking, you know, I'm doing this profile of this man who played at Iowa in a time where, you know, he couldn't live in the dorms. And now fast forward to 2022 and there's so much discord and all the things that we learned about the Iowa football program, you know, after the murder of George Floyd. And in my head, I'm thinking, you know, it's like, can something, can some piece of his experience, his legacy and just what he st- what he stands for for these players can that kind of be can there be something there to kind of I don't say rectify the situation but to kind of just kind of lead 
this program into some sort of reckoning of what is happening. In other words, you know, let's try to flip the script and try to understand this from their perspective. Former players, you know, having this federal lawsuit and they were, you know, giving, providing guidance to how things can change. And of course, as we reported, um, the, um, you know, current coach, um, uh, and of course, the name is where I'm ahead. Anyway, uh, dissolved the committee, and so uh, to say, oh, well, we will redo it later. And of course, it's because they were like, you know, hey, man, you you should go because you're really not taking this serious. So again, it, it's it, there's so much there. You know, there's there's a legacy there. There's lessons there because again, you know, we we see how things have changed. But at the same time, things have kind of stayed the same. And, and and I would argue that in some ways things have changed, never really getting never really gotten better. But now I feel like things are taking a turn for the worse all over again with all the things that we're hearing and reading um, in, in our news today. Um, you know, because, again, you know, we've had over this past week, we've had more bomb threats at HBCUs, which. You know, it's just senseless. It's just, you know, if you know your history, you know why HBCUs were invented, were, were established, invented. And then the question is, you know, HBCUs have always had a place. And now in 2022, their role has become more enhanced, has become more visible, more important now because, again, where we are. But yet it seems as if there are people who who, you know, they, they feel that, you know, black people should not be in their space. But yet they want to uh, dishonor and, um, you know, deface, defame, dishonor and threaten spaces where black people are. And I just it, that that whole mentality just makes no sense. But, you know, um those are kind of some thoughts I was having um, as I, you know, after I wrote this profile, I'm going, hmm, it's interesting that, you know, this is, you know, they've, you know, named the field after him uh, uh, three, three years ago. And now and, and when that was happening, you know, all this discord was was brewing or still brewing. And we didn't learn about it uh, for another you know year or so. And it's it just it's just mind boggling to me how. You know, we you know, they're honoring they've honored this man in multiple ways, but yet the program just can't seem to find a way to say, you know, we want you here. We welcome you here with open arms and we can do and we will do what we can to keep you here. Not not because you want to play football, but you want to, you know, student athlete. It's student first, athlete second. That's the way it should be. But you chose to come here. We want you here. We want you to be successful. We want you to be comfortable and do what you love and learn lessons about life through football, learn lessons about life through your classwork and interacting with others. And, and that should be the goal and the mission. But, you know, it, it sadly it is not. All right. So it's that time of the Friday show. It's time for dubs and L's. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> the L is... 
we'll, we'll start with the dub because the dub was just uh, the dub was beautiful. Um, so Brian Flores uh, filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL on the first day of Black History Month. Man, look, if I could stand up and still talk, I don't know if you can hear that. I'm applauding Brian Flores for this. So in the uh, lawsuit, he is uh, saying or he is the the uh, lawsuit states that, you know, their uh, teams engaged in sham interviews. They uh, were incentivizing losses, you know, you know, for every loss that you uh, orchestrate, uh, you'll get so much money and that helps us to get better picks, you know, you know raise our stakes uh, in, in the draft and pressure to improperly recruit players. So the NFL is named in the lawsuit along with three other teams, the Dolphins, the Giants, and the Broncos. Of course, everyone's denying it. Uh, Stephen Ross, the owner of the, of the Dolphins, is saying this this, this isn't happening. This didn't happen. Uh, John Elway is <laughs> – John Elway had me tripping because – um, Flores said that Elway came to his uh, his interview drunk. Elway goes, there's no way that happened. I read something somebody said, this could be a joke, but if it isn't, it doesn't surprise me. Oh, I was um, under the effects of ivermectin. I had to pause on that one because it's like, come on, man, really? But nevertheless, um, uh, you know, Flores is and he said this himself. He says, I'm taking a big risk here because, again, you know, I, I'm you know, I think he's 40. I'm torpedoing my torpe torpedoing my career in order to expose all of this, all of this wrong. And, you know, if it if something comes out of this, because because you know how this is going to go. Everyone's denying everything. Of course, the NFL is going to deny it and they're going to, oh, you know. So, I mean, you know, the Rooney rule, come on. I mean, we know what the intent of the Rooney rule is, but does the Rooney rule really work? I mean, look at look at this current hiring cycle. I mean, really? So so basically, and, and, and I'm not saying I know the Rooney rule by heart, but it kind of feels like it's kind of a loophole in that rule, because essentially what they're saying is, well, we interview some black coaches you know, we did we we did our part now because you know how this works. You, you know, you've interviewed for jobs and you know how the world works. Sometimes, you know, companies will say, well, we got to put it out to the public. But in some respects, they already know who they want. And I think that's what's happening here. You know, the NFL is going to, you know, I mean, sorry, the NFL, the teams and, and probably to some degree, the NFL, they're going to play the game. OK, well, you know, we're going to interview these candidates here you know we got a couple black candidates and everybody else but you know we, we already know who we want but as long as we're obeying you know the the spirit of the Rooney rule you know we interview some black candidates you know you can't really get mad at us and y you can because you know there are very qualified black coaches out there who are coordinators who deserve a shot but on the flip side of that you know, we think back about, you know, the David Cully situation where, OK, he gets hired and the team is really bare boned and he basically has to deal with this for a season, has to take a fall and then they let him go. So, I mean, it, it's kind of six of one half a dozen of another. OK, 
if they don't hire you, it's a problem because again, there's no, you know, there's no increasing the diversity of the uh, coaching, you know, makeup. But if they hire you, then the question is, are they going to support you? So, so it's like, it's, it's like a no win situation. It's, it's really sad. Um, but I don't know. I, I really, when I heard this, I was like, wow, that, that is crazy. But at the same time too, I applaud him for this because again, um, the discovery on this is going to be wild. <laughs> I mean, I would love to be in the room for the discovery on this. This is going to be crazy. But I mean, in filing this lawsuit, I am sure that he really did not take this lightly. I mean, you just don't file a lawsuit. I mean, some people frivolously file lawsuits every day and you hope that judges are smart enough to look at it and go, this is trash. Get out of my courtroom. But considering what he's risking, you know, you have to look at the risk reward. And for him, the reward is greater than what he's given, what he's potentially giving up, because, again, he says, look, I've got evidence. And now, look, you've got Hugh Jackson come down saying stuff. I think Marvin Lewis said some stuff, you know. So now you got all these black coaches who come down saying, look, Brian Flores ain't crazy. You know, some of the stuff he's saying I've experienced, I've seen. So now if you get one to come out and say it, everyone else is going to, you know, more people are chiming in to say Brian Flores is on to something. But you know what's going to happen. Everyone's going to scramble, try to cover it up or, you know, oh, that's not what we do. And, you know, everyone's on a all these owners and league officials are on this goodwill tour to be like, no, 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 that's not who we are. Oh, you know, I think the NFL statement was, oh, we value diversity and 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 this is you know, and this is unfortunate. And and we're going to look into this anytime. Now, you and I know, you know damn well, <laughs> anytime the NFL says they're going to look into something, that's part of my L. Anytime the NFL says they're going to look into something, you know it's not going to get looked into. Because you know what Roger Goodell does. He likes to sh- sh- sweep it under the rug like, oh, that didn't happen. Or, um, oh, yeah, we, we checked it out. It's cool. You know, it's like, wait, you're investigating yourself and you're essentially saying you're not guilty of the thing you're accused of. So there's nobody independent of you who's going to come in and make this right. You're just going to send your people to investigate yourself. Mm, wow. Something about that seems, I don't know, so fishy. I, I just can't really put my finger on it, but I just don't like that. But this is all going to come to light somehow, some way. But uh, I applaud Brian Flores for that because it, it had to be said. It had to be done. There had to be a shot fired in this because this is just it's getting ridiculous. You know, it's like, what, what is the problem with, okay, you hire a black coach. Now, support him. Now, give him the same four to five years you would give a white coach because we've seen it before. Black coach comes in, might get two or three years. Oh, well, he got to go. He don't know what he's doing. You get a white coach, they'll fail five, six, seven years. Oh, oh yeah, we're tired of this now. But okay, why does he get twice the amount of time? It's out there. It's done. It's been done. People see it. But again, it's not getting well, it's getting called out. But again, you know how that works. Nobody wants to publicly say it. And then the other piece of it is, you know, like anything else, Brian Flores is saying it. But until there's somebody who is on the other side of this, if there are allies on the other side of this, 
white colleagues will say, hey, but again, you know how that works. That's not going to happen because if a white coach who sees it knows it's wrong and says something, well, now he's in the NFL's crosshair. So, you know, it's kind of he's kind of thinking, well, I'm not I know it's wrong. I know it's bad, but I'm not going to the wall to risk my career to help this man's case. But we'll see how this turns out. All right. So the L's. <laughs> why? Why is it that the L this week has to do with the same freaking team? We're staying in the NFL. You may know where I'm going with this. So let's start with the. Well, it's the Washington football team, now the Washington Commanders. So I'll get to the name in a minute because that's one of my L's. So on the other side of this, Dan Snyder has uh, there's new allegations of sexual misconduct being leveled against Dan Dan uh, Snyder. So they are revealed during the congressional roundtable. And of course, he released a statement. OK, look, there was some stuff happening in the past. We apologize for that. We did what we're supposed to do. I'm not. This didn't happen. Um, of course. Back to what I just said, the NFL is, air quotes, investigating, which means, like before, Roger Goodell's going to find a way to clean up Dan Snyder's mess and be like, oh, what are you talking about? We, we didn't find any evidence of this. But you're, again, you're investigating your, you're investigating your own house. Uh, well, you know what I mean? They're investigating on his behalf, and they're just going to be like, oh, we're just going to make this go away. Or... Or how, or we're gonna do something to deflect away from this because again, it's funny the timing of this. Not from the the victim standpoint. I mean, I, from the victim standpoint, I would say the time is unfortunate because Super Bowl's coming up. So now the NFL has to deal with this, and Snyder has to deal with this. The NFL is gonna find something in Super Bowl week to try to make this, you know, make this issue kind of become, you know, put it further in the back seat. And then eventually they'll say, oh, we didn't find any wrongdoing. So it's it's coming. I know it's coming. I would be blown away and shocked if they finally got sick of his crap and told him to pack his crap. But it's not going to happen. If it does, I'll be the first one to celebrate because this team, they need a fresh start. Because this name, the Washington Commanders, first of all, y'all can get these jokes today because... I saw people calling them the what the Washington Commodores and all kinds of stuff, man. I, I mean, me, I, it's, it's a terrible name. I think what the fans wanted, like the Red Tails, Red Wolves. Now, my wife, I talked to her. I, I mentioned the whole thing to her, and she goes, well, the name shouldn't have red anything in it. I said, look, any name is better than what they had and the Commanders. And I think the Washington Post did an article about kind of the, the military feel of their name. So, again, if you really want to go down that rabbit hole, which, you know, I didn't read the article, but I could kind of see where they were going because of all these links between the NFL and the military and all this other stuff. It's, it's, it's just so weird. It's just I don't understand why you pick a name that the fans are sitting there going. But we actually thought this was a better name. But here you go. This team is good at disappointing their fans. They're terrible at everything else, but they are really good at disappointing their fans. So they get an A-plus in that. So, But there you go, 20 years of that. 20 years of, you know, just disappointing your fan base 
and basically not caring about your fan base. Uh, and the fan base is super loyal. They are riding with this team till the wheels fall off and they just keep getting crap every single freaking year. It's really sad. And I've been saying for a long time, it's time for the fan base to rise up and boycott this guy because apparently he doesn't listen to anybody until his money. Y'all start messing with the man's money. You might have his ear. I've been saying it. Y'all got to start listening because this is getting real tired. So as far as the name's concerned, you know, <laughs> this is the, this is kind of how I feel about the name. Tomato, tomato, tomato. I'm throwing tomatoes. Yep. That's how I feel about the name. So, yeah, Washington Commander's name can go somewhere to die because it freaking sucks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, that is it for this Friday edition of the Sports Wagon Podcast, episode 126. Hope you enjoyed it. You know, the the I thought I had a lot, but, uh, you know, college basketball, I didn't want to rehash Every stat, but want to kind of give you the update. Of course, on Monday, uh, we'll talk about the new AP Top 10. Um, we should be getting some more information about top six, 16 seeds very soon. Um, I know they did the women's last week. The men's I haven't seen, so I'm hoping the men's top 16 seeds will come out very soon so we get a feel for what the NCAA feels going to look like. And, of course, that's all going to be in flux as we finish round out the conference season. We get into conference tournaments because – once conference tournaments happen, you know this thing's going to get blown up at least a couple times because somebody's going to win and they're not supposed to win. But isn't that the fun of March? And that's why we call it March Madness. Of course, that's the fun of it. And you know it, you love it. And every year you go through it, whether your team's in it, your team's out of it, you just love it. And I do too. And I can't wait. So until I talk to you soon, uh, that'll be on Monday. Hit me up Instagram, Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Always remember to continue to protect yourself, uh, others, your family, your friends, social distance. You know, don't go out unless you have to. Um, you know, the numbers, haven't looked at them lately, but, you know, we know that, you know, the numbers are fluctuating. It's winter, but do all you can to stay healthy, drink your water, and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sportswagonpod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.